0: His longevity, his consistency, uh, always just admired his cerebral approach to the game. Uh, every season, he tried to be better than the season before. And that's just a great model for any young quarterback. Uh, he actually texted me uh, yesterday, inviting me to be on his podcast next week. Uh, I told him I'd do it as long as he asked the questions and not Jim Gray. Jim Gray asked tough questions. And so um, I didn't see this coming. Uh, this was a surprise to me.
2: Peyton Manning on the uh, retirement of, I don't know, some quarterback happened earlier this week. I don't remember who it was. Um, Joe and me hanging out. Going to get to your calls, eight zero We're going to get to our Patriots offseason preview, speaking of Tom Brady and his former team, uh, because uh, they got some big decisions to make. Uh, made a big one in terms of understanding they completely messed up what was going on with the offense last year and the coaching staff they put in place by bringing in Bill O'Brien. And we're good? Are we good to go? That's what we'll start. We say uh, good morning on our Western Hotline to Christopher Price. Chris is with the Boston Globe, and he is with us right now. Chris, it is Howard and Joe. Uh, appreciate you coming on with us again, sir. How you doing?
3: I'm doing great this morning, guys. How are you doing?
2: Uh, You know, we're good as long as the Patriots aren't good. Chris, life is wonderful in our world. <laughs> I don't know, that's that's a terrible way to begin the segment. Um, all right, so Bill O'Brien obviously is the big story at this point of the offseason. Uh, the, the, you know, the whole Patricia Judge thing blew up in their faces. So what's the general reaction? Give us your thoughts on them bringing in Bill O'Brien to help turn around the offense.
3: I think it's mostly positive, at least to this point. Uh, you know, the... O'Brien has a background with Mac going back to Alabama. He has a background with Bill, you know, going back a handful of years. And so I think it's all positive at this point. I I think really, if you're a New England fan, you're just happy that there's going to be one voice in Mac's ear as opposed to multiple people. Uh, You know, last year it was Joe Judge. It was Patricia. It was Belichick. Now they have one guy. He has one voice in his ear. And things are going to be a lot more streamlined, and I think that's going to help out the New England offense. Look, obviously there's a lot between now and next September, but I think it's a it's certainly a step in the right direction if you're a New England fan.
2: Okay, so will there be some kind of a philosophical shift in what the Patriots want to do offensively under Bill O'Brien? I think they're going to go
3: back to doing some of the stuff that they did a decade or so ago. Now, understandably, it's going to be different just because they had Brady there as opposed to you know Mac Jones now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they started incorporating more two tight end sets, like they did when Bill O'Brien was here. A year, you know, a handful of years ago, uh, he was a guy who really leaned on that with Gronkowski and Hernandez. And obviously, look, you know, the two the two guys they have in there now are not going to be able to reach those same sort of heights. But I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see more play action. I think we're going to see more stuff that Mac Jones is comfortable doing. And so, again, look, you know, a lot has to happen between now and then. But I guess ultimately to answer your question, I don't think we're going to see a huge philosophical shift. I think the other thing, too, to keep in mind here, Howard, that's really interesting is that, um, you you know, Patricia was not only handling the offense, he was also handling the offensive line. And I think that's really, for me, the biggest area of need that this team has to focus on moving forward, at least from a personnel perspective on the offensive side of the ball. They need to get two steady tackles in there. They're okay along the interior, but if they can get two steady tackles and Bill O'Brien this offseason, that I think they've taken a giant step forward in terms of where they need to be.
2: All right, Chris, slow down. You're jumping ahead on my questions list. You're getting too far in front of me. (laughs) But before we get to that, because obviously that is, of course, what are their key needs? Mac Jones. Mac Jones in year two, by all accounts in New England, statistically he went backwards, but I think eyeball test too. So Mac Jones in year two, what'd you like? What didn't you like? And was it a step back?
3: Yeah, I, I do think it was a step back. Now, I, I think a lot of that was coaching, but honestly, I think, you know, some of that was on him as well. And so, you know, figuring out the best thing to do in certain situations. What I did like, he continued to show, for the most part, very good decision-making. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I'm saying he took a step forward when it came to that. When it when it came to being able to make the right calls in the right situations he was able to execute, and I think that's what they want to, you know, continue to be able to see. I, you know, a Bill Belichick-coached quarterback, uh, you know, it's, it's all about protecting the football and not losing the game. You know, he, you know, you, you need to rely on guys around you to win the game. And I think when they were at their best last year, he was able to rely on guys like Stevenson and Jacoby Myers and those other offensive difference makers that he had. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see that. I didn't think we saw that last year, and I think we're going to continue to see that. You know, the other things. I, I don't know if I'm still in love with his arm strength, you know, and, and, and that's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if he's going to be able to kind of, you know, do more in that area. But I, I think ultimately, you know, he's going to be able to be a good fit with Bill. I think put it this way, he's going to be a better fit with Bill O'Brien. Than he was with Matt Patricia.
2: Okay, so now let's get to biggest needs, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, and you're going to mention offensive line. But I also specifically want you to address wide receiver because mm-hmm. looking at wide receiver, okay, and you look around the division, right? The Bills got Diggs. The Dolphins got Waddle, and then brought in Hill. The, the Jets have a very good-looking young receiver in Garrett Wilson. And you look at New England and go, who's their guy? So, where are the biggest needs on offense and 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 could you address wide receiver in that discussion
3: yeah i think I think it starts although like I said before, I think it starts with tackle. I think they need to bring in two guys who are going to be more stable and do a better job than what Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn did last year look at the you know at the end of the year last year they were down to you know Connor McDermott and were just really kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for offensive tackle help, and I think that's going to be their primary area of need moving forward. You know, you bring up wide receiver, and they have a couple of guys there who I think are good, who are serviceable, who in baseball terms are maybe second and third starters. They still need that number one guy. One area I think is going to be fascinating to watch is, you know, we we referenced Bill O'Brien before. I wonder if Bill O'Brien, who ran a lot of slants and cuts and a lot of that stuff with a lot of really talented wide receivers at Alabama, if he could help unlock Tyquan Thornton, you know, the rookie last year who certainly showed some signs of progress down yep. the stretch. If if you could lean on him more and more and ask him to do more going into his second year, he could be an important part of that offense. I think they want to re-sign Jacoby Myers, who has distinguished himself as being the most dependable receiver that they've had when he's been healthy over the last couple of years, but they do need to go out and get another body or two out there along the boundary. One guy and you know, in the context of this conversation, I'm gonna be fascinated to see how they incorporate him into the offense, if they incorporate him into the offense in twenty twenty three, is going to be Marcus Jones, because at the end of the year last year, we saw when you get the ball to him in space, good things happen. And I wonder if he's going to be part of the offensive equation in twenty twenty three. If so, how much?
2: So while I'm doing my research and prepping for the interview, there seem to be a lot of rumor speculation out there about Arizona would be willing to trade DeAndre Hopkins, and whether the Patriots would go after him to be the guy. What about that thought?
3: As soon as you say the Patriots would never do something, you know they, they go ahead and do it. So I don't like dealing in absolutes when it comes to the Patriots. So look, you know the back the the backstory between Hopkins and Bill O'Brien, O'Brien is yeah. kind of you know it, it, it's it's well covered ground, and so. I, on the surface, I don't think that would be a really good mix. That being said, if, you know, someone could pony up enough money, I'm sure that everyone's going to be happy. And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't put the Patriots out of anything. I, you know, I I wouldn't rule them out when it comes to anything and anyone making aggressive moves at the wide receiver position this offseason. I know that they have some cap concerns. They do have some room. They have some financial flexibility. And I wonder. But I wonder at the same time, how flexible they would be when it comes to adding a guy like Hopkins. But look, I think they're going to add to that position, whether it's the draft, whether it's trade, whether it's wide receiver. The the group of wide receivers that we saw in the year for the Patriots is not going to be the same group of wide receivers we see when the 2023 season starts, I can guarantee that.
2: Before we get to defense, what is the cap situation up there? I assume it's not like, what, two years ago when they went on a drunken sailor spending spree.
3: Yeah, I think it's a little, I think it's a, you know, it's my understanding that there's probably, you know, halfway between what we saw two years ago in in this past year. I I think that there's going to be some interesting, they're going to be able to make some moves. Um, And again, I think those priority, of those moves is going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Again, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to have enough sort of room to, to bring in a Hopkins type, but I think they're going to be aggressive enough where they're going to be able to make at least a few moves.
2: All right. Defensively, where are the biggest needs on that side of the ball?
3: There's still some questions in the secondary. I think the front seven is very stable. I think the front seven, when healthy, is one of the better ones, at least in the AFC. The questions are going to be whether or not Devin McCordy can come back for another year along, you know, free safety. We still don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, it's my understanding that that's going to be resolved at least before the start of free agency. And then Jonathan Jones, young cornerback who I think played very well, has some positional versatility, can play in the slot, can play outside. I think what they asked him to do last year, he was in a little bit over his head. I think he's a good competitive number two cornerback. Um, and they do have some good depth at the cornerback position. But I, I think really right now the area of focus for, for this team, at least going into 2023, is how can we improve depth in the secondary and then resolve the situations around McCourty and Jonathan Jones.
2: Final thing, and this is really hard because the offseason has just started and we have to see what everybody does in free agency and who they release and draft picks. But the Bills should still be really good. This just in, Chris, next season. (laughs) I'm trying to get to where do you think the Patriots are in the division? Because... Um, again, it's, it's kind of hard to ask because we're, we'll go on the assumption that Tua is healthy and he is back as the Dolphins' starting quarterback. And they make a move they hope to upgrade their defense by bringing in Vic Fangio. Everybody expects the Jets will have a veteran quarterback in place to be their starting quarterback next season with a really strong defense, with some good young talent around the quarterback. Where, where do the Patriots fall in the division?
3: I think if things continue to trend in a positive direction this offseason, that is to say, you know, you have Bill O'Brien in there. You continue to empower a really talented young defensive coach in Gerard Mayo, who I believe is going to be the next guy. At least it's setting up to be that way. You continue to address those areas of need that we mentioned, specifically tackle wide receiver, defensive back. I think this team is still the number two team in the division behind the Bills. You know, I, a lot, obviously, like you said, a lot has you know, was going to happen between now and the start of the 2023 season, but I think they're going to be just as competitive as the dolphins are. And I think they're still going to be a step ahead of the jets. So look, you know, a million things have to happen between now and kickoff, you know, 2023, but this team, you know, should be competitive for a playoff spot in the AFC.
2: Chris, thanks. Always great to have you on the show. We appreciate you giving us some uh, insight on the Patriots, sir.
3: My pleasure, Howard. Take care. We'll you too. To him.
2: Thanks, Chris. Chris Price from the Boston Globe joining us here. I think it is a really interesting discussion, Joe. And like I said, it's, it's hard because there are, there are unknowns. Like who is the Jets quarterback in week mm-hmm. one? Like what is to his out-of-concussion protocol, right? I think he was yep. cleared this week. But is he going to be the guy next season? Be, if he's healthy and he plays... And if the Jets get Roger, almost anybody, Rogers, Rogers Carr, yeah. Garoppolo, anything's better than what they have. Couldn't you see the Patriots finishing fourth in this division next season? I would bet that. I bet they do. Right? Because I, I would think, bet they do. You know, yeah. you're, you're still. It's funny. You're like, here they're going to have to fix their offensive line. Jacoby Myers is a nice receiver, but they do not have anybody who scares well,
4: you. Myers is a free agent. Remember? Right, too. They have
2: so. to. Re, I'm assuming they resign him.
4: Maybe. He's their.
2: He's their best guy.
4: They have a lot of. Mu- He's their best guy, but they have a lot of money tied up
2: at skill position already. Well, right. Hunter well, Henry, going, going back U to Smith. his point about O'Brien, yeah. they, it's not Gronkowski and Hernandez, but they spent a ton of money on tight ends two years ago yep. and pretty much underused them. That's where I wonder if they
4: can bring Meyer, Myers hmm. back. They can offer him, I'm sure, something of significance. They, you're right, because it feels like they, can't, they just can't let that guy leave. So, I and like what you said that, about he, Thornton, by great. the
2: way. Thornton... At the end of the season, looked like he might be a deep threat for them.
4: Yeah, he in. looked good. He looked good. But, Even Myers, though, like that's that's where you know the Patriots are in a bad spot and are in fourth. When a receiver that we all agree is pretty good, but not like some elite receiver, Jacoby right. Myers, it's like a necessity that they bring him back or they're screwed.
2: Well, he's the best of that bunch. Yeah, it's not a great bunch, right? I, I just the next. I like Kendrick Bourne, but they for some reason they barely used him I last mean, year. Who? Aguilar's probably a goner, right? Yeah. Who would the Jets have to
4: end up with at quarterback for you to not put the Jets above the Patriots? Like, if, it's, if, if Mike White is their week one, quarterback. can I quarterback, tell you,
2: it's almost impossible for that to happen. What
4: if Mike White's their week one quarterback? That's one way I would okay, put him Mike not, White, but not ahead. of What the about Patriots?
2: Garoppolo? You're ahead of New England. Okay. What about? I'm um, okay. I've got. I'll tell you what. This might be the. Here, You ready, Joe? Yeah. I've got the list. It's not a complete list, but here's a list of guys we think are, are either they are going to be free agents mm-hmm. or could be released, because we don't know about Carr or Traded. Mm-hmm. Rodgers, better than the Patriots. Yep. Carr, in New York. Yep, better. Garoppolo. Better. Uh, now free agents. Geno Smith, or he might be in Seattle, whatever. Geno. It'll be a great reunion there. Geno, they'd be better. Winston. Not so much? Close. Dalton, Mayfield, Brissett. I mean, we're getting to the bottom of the list here.
4: All of these, though, are still upgrades over what they had we're last year. We're talking
2: about Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco yeah. were the three guys who played for that team this season. You could almost, almost grab anybody on this list with Brees Hall... And that defense and, good and Garrett Wilson and yeah. Usama and whatever they do with Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore yeah. I don't know about Mims anymore, but I mean, you could almost take any guy on that list and say they're better than New England.
4: All right. Yes, they're better than New England. New England's going to finish fourth.
2: New England is going to finish fourth. I think so. You know, look, he was talking about cornerback as one of their needs. It should be, you know, um... They don't really have a top coin, like a, a guy you can put on Diggs or Waddle or Hill or Wilson and go, he's yours, go to town. They don't have that guy in New England. Yeah. So I, I think there are a lot of issues. Yeah, I do. I believe, you know, Mac Jones should be better because, look, by default, you know what this is? This is the Jaguars fired Urban Meyer and brought in Doug Peterson, and mm. immediately Trevor Lawrence was better. He was, and, and I don't mean this as a slight to Trevor Lawrence because I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. But, he would have been better, basically by addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. You take out Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and keep them away from the offense and throw in Bill O'Brien. Immediately, Mac Jones is better in year three because of the incompetence that was around him in year number two. It was a terrible idea, but that doesn't make him better than Miami and the Jets. I mean, yeah, right. The Jets are—they have to get. Don't you think, get, I think Rogers, Carr, Garoppolo, it's got to be one of those three guys.
4: I do think they're going to end up with Rodgers.
2: Well, then they're definitely better than New England.
4: And for Rodgers, let's let's talk this out a little. How different is it, Rodgers versus those other guys? Are are we open to the Jets being on the Bills level with Rodgers?
2: Yeah, I think they can contend for the division title.
4: Because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is shot. No, and like I'm not... If it's Carr or Garoppolo, do we think they can win the division?
2: No, I think Rodgers is better than both of those guys. Me too. I think Rodgers can win you games. Carr and Garoppolo, if we're getting into the discussion of, just don't lose the game for us. Sure. we got a great defense. We'll put some pieces around you. Rodgers can win a game for you. Like, they could be Super Bowl caliber. With Rodgers. With Rodgers. Yes.
4: I mean, it was only two years ago and three years ago that he was the MVP of the league. And last year he wasn't.
2: They beat the Bills once this season. If they have Rodgers as their starting quarterback. With that oh, defense. Both and, times. and the way the Bills struggled? They beat them both times. Look at how many times the Jets held a team under 20 points and lost the game.
4: Maybe they beat them both times. I'm not sure Rogers' ribs could have held up as well as Mike White's oh, did oh when God. he got That's destroyed right, by Matt Milano.
2: I'm just remembering that game and how bad I felt for him. But
4: anyway. No, but yeah. look, that is a little intimidating. Rogers going to the Jets. Yeah. I mean, it would only be for a year or two, it's not a long term fear of the jets no they should
2: still be drafting a quarterback in new york
4: they're very close to the bills level if they add that quarterback at least they could be because we still gotta see how much is left there how much of last year's struggles was him and how much of it was his surrounding cast in green bay losing yeah. devontae adams and not really having him be replaced. you know what this
2: is maybe this is a little bit of brady's last year in new england and then he goes to tampa and voila he wins the super bowl there
4: could very well be that because his last
2: year in new england we're looking at it going he doesn't look right like, yeah. wow, they're really he's struggling, they're struggling. That doesn't look right. Is he shot? Granted, he's older, right? He would have been older than Rodgers, Yep. But he but he goes to Tampa and he gets all these great weapons and, and be, a better team and he looks
4: great again. And because of his contract, it's like fifty five million dollars he's owed this year, but because of the way it's structured, most of that burden would go to Green Bay even if he's traded. Hmm. So the Jets I think I saw would be on the hook for like a 15 million dollar cap hit if they were to pay Rodgers or to trade for him. So if they trade for him, like they also don't have to sit on their hands and do nothing else on offense. Like they could maybe add a Jacoby Myers level receiver. One of these guys we're talking about for the Bills. It it's it's getting to a point where the Bills are not going to have the benefit that New England had for 20 years. It wasn't just that Brady was the, the best quarterback in the league, or one of them with Peyton Manning. It wasn't just that. It was that the other three teams in the AFC East for 20 years had oh, no so idea bad. what they were doing. Right. It, they, they all tried Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like that, that's that's <laughs> where you know where they were idea-wise. They all got to Ryan Fitzpatrick as hey, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Like they, just, they had no clue. The Jets for two years were competitive, and the Dolphins were one. The Bills are not going to have that same luxury. That the Patriots had. Because Miami seems to know what they're doing a little yeah. bit. The Jets seem to know what they're doing a little bit. New England, like they, even they seem like they're lost in the wilderness, and they're a 500-football team. Mm-hmm. So it's almost the polar opposite of the Patriots helped them out that they were able to go on a dynasty, that their division rivals stunk. The Bills, it's going to be tough for them. To go on a run like New England did for 20 years, just because all three teams in the division are ahead of where they were when Brady was ruling the division.
2: Yeah, they seem to be, they have more competent people in the organizations than the franchises did over most of that 20 year stretch. For sure, the Bills, anyway. Let me get uh, calm before we hit the break here. We'll go to, uh, we'll get connected with our fans. Josh, uh,
5: you're on WGR, go right ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, So my top three priorities for this offseason are offensive guard, safety, and wide receiver. Now, offensive guard, um, I think, is uh, at the very top of the list. I think that's a no-brainer in round one if the right guy is available. And my top two guys are Osiris Torrance and Broderick Jones. I think if neither of those two guys are on the board, then I do think you go receiver. Safety, there's only Micah Hyde back there. And then there's Christian Benford as a possible transition guy. And with the wide receiver, I do agree that they need more weapons, more targets for Allen. But um, excuse me. But um, it's not just about who you get; it's about how you you use them. And I I believe that they misused Gabe Davis to a degree, and that they just sent him on those go routes. And if you guys remember the past couple of years, mainly last year, he was uh, the slant guy in a lot of those RPOs that they ran. And I believe that he is at his best when he runs his routes between 10 and uh 10 and, 15, 10 and 20 yards. Khalil Shakir, I know he's more towered as a slot guy, but I think with his skill set, with his speed, he's faster than Gabe Davis. Just with the, the fluidity that he moves in, I think he would be a lot more suited as that John Brown type of receiver, that, that go route type of guy. And, uh, I know he didn't really make his, make a best case for that with a drop against Miami in the playoffs. But, but I think, uh, as he develops, as he matures more, as he gets more NFL experience, then I think he'll, he'll be a real good, uh, good deep threat. And like I said, I won't, I wouldn't be mad if they took receiver in the first round. If, if, uh, Those two offensive linemen are not on the board, and no, they just have to use them, right? So, yeah,
2: Joe uh, asked me this question. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Josh. Thanks. Joe asked me the the question, basically, the scenario you laid out. I'd like wide receiver first and foremost, and but and and, right, Joe, you said, what if Mm -hmm. they would you be upset if they took offensive line in round one? No, I would pray they took wide receiver in round two then, Um, but whatever. I, I know those are two priority positions. To your point about Gabe, I'm gonna lean more towards. I'm going to go against the idea of they misused him and more to the idea of they coach around limitations in his overall game. And we shouldn't be having that discussion about the second-best guy if you think he is the second guy, wide receiver two. I think that's more of them, here's what he does best, here's what he doesn't do. How do we make it work? And I think that's one of the many reasons why the Bills need to upgrade that position from Gabe Davis. He's a role player. He's a deep threat. Right. And I like, think they coach accordingly.
4: That's valuable. Like I want a guy like that. I want a guy like Gabe but you Davis. Would that like versatility. You get big plays. Yeah, you just you need another guy you could count on play to play. And I think I think Gabe can be a a productive wide receiver in this league for a very long time. I just think he's in the, the wrong role. I think he'd be if the Bills had what could they have done last year? That would I mean they could have traded for AJ Brown, but had they brought back I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, retired, right? Like, I don't know who the name is here for this. Had they drafted a guy? Okay, let's let's go to the draft. Last year, Jahan Dotson was the guy I really wanted. And he went right in front of the Bills. They would have had mm-hmm. to move up. I think Washington did move up. Let's say they did that. They moved up in the first round and they drafted Jahan Dotson, who is was the most versatile receiver maybe in that whole class, him and Olave. Had they done that, he was productive right away as a rookie, Yeah, he would have been running all the routes digs runs he would have been able to play on the outside and in the slot he would have been a guy that could run a lot of the routes you want your number two receiver to run and I think if they had done that suddenly there wouldn't be as much of this kind of talk about Gabe Davis because he would have settled into oh yeah you're just you're a big play guy we're gonna throw it to you Mm -hmm. five times a game yep and you might come away with 140 yards and two touchdowns but there might be games where you get two catches for 30 yards. Right. But, but that's fine. But not, because out, of the
2: second, not out of the number two. Because
4: Diggs right. can get six catches and Dotson can get five.
2: Yeah. But, no, they, but he, they don't right. have that, that Dotson. Right. It can't be, he can't be the second guy and have the right. two-catch Th- game. That's
4: really, I guess, a long way of saying he needs to be the three, not the two.
2: Yes. No higher than the three. All right, let's get a uh, quick break here. 803 0550. Hey, before we go to break, you ready to do it? We're going to do a giveaway. Yeah. Let's give away some tickets for the, uh, the Luke Bryan Country on Tour show, which will be at Darien Lake Amphitheater Friday, June 16th. Tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. Call now 221 4947. 221 4947. Caller five will win a pair of tickets. Again, 221 4947. If you don't win tickets, they're going on sale. In about 28 minutes. 10 o'clock this morning, you'll be able to purchase tickets for that show at livenation.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a
3: month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over
1: here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: Hey, we have college hoops tonight here on WGR. Just thinking about all the stuff going on this weekend stuff on tv stuff you can go see in person bandits are home tomorrow night canisius niagara tonight battle of the bridges at gallagher center eight o'clock and again on wgr we're joined on the western hotline by greg paulis niagara purple eagles coach greg it's howard and joe good morning welcome to battle of the bridges day
0: good morning howard and joe great to uh great to be with you i appreciate you uh letting me come on and, and uh talk some niagara basketball this morning
2: so so is there do you get a actual trophy and does the winning team get to hang on to it or something
0: in some, in some rivalries across uh, you know, the sporting uh, landscape, there, there is something at the end for the, the, this battle of the bridge. Uh, there, there is not something at the end of it that is given to the winning team.
2: Okay. You've got to work on that. I mean, I know it's two games, <laughs> but if someone sweeps the series, there must be a bridge trophy you can give to somebody.
0: You know, it's, it's uh, not that I'm aware of yet, not that I'm aware of. So, um, you know, if that's something we got, we got to get you to one of these games. Have you, have you been to one of these games?
2: Uh, many over the years. Yes. <laughs> it's been a little <laughs> while though. So, you know, actually I did want to ask, cause it's a great rivalry and I did want to ask you, I mean, you get kids obviously to come onto your roster and, and so does Reggie, but you guys get kids that are not from here that might not understand what Canisius and Niagara is all about. Um, do, do, what do you do with newcomers do you have a quote canisius niagara rivalry speech do you tell them exactly what the rivalry is all about how does that all work
0: no that's that's a great question because some some years um you know you have a have uh more local kids or more state of new york that that might be more familiar with it uh you know and and for example this year uh, we don't have anybody on the roster from the state of New York. And so uh, over the course of time, uh, you know, I, they, they hear the stories, they learn about it. Um, obviously with social media, uh, the stories are being told. And, you know, when, whenever you, you have a, a former player or coach come back on campus, I, I, I love when they get a chance to talk to the team. And, and typically they bring it up. Um, and, and it's it's a really unique rivalry. It's really special. Um, I've I've obviously had the chance to be a part of the Duke, North Carolina one had a chance to be a part of several other ones, uh, coaching at Ohio State and, and the Naval Academy in Louisville. But this is this is a rivalry that has been going on since 1905. Um, you know, and, and there's been over 190 meetings between these two schools. So the history, the tradition of this rivalry is really special to be a part of.
2: You know, you, so you have the rivalry, but you also are at a time of the year, right? We're getting close to conference tournament time, so this is where you coaches always tell us you like your teams playing their best ball. From a bigger picture, Greg, um, I know you had a little bit of a losing streak. You've won the last couple games. How is your team playing at this point of the schedule, in your opinion?
0: Well, I I really like how our team has developed throughout the course of the season. Um, You know, we have 10 new guys on our roster. And for us, um, you know, to to achieve some of the things that we have to at this point, we've We've gotten better throughout the course of the season, and I thought we were playing some really good basketball. Even when we lost a couple in a row, they were heartbreakers in the last second, and then the last two games we've played, we've won in the last second. So uh, with this conference, there's so many one, close one-possession games that the ability to learn and to win in different ways, um, you know, we still have nine more conference games left, and so for us, it's the first game in February. We want to keep getting better, and you're right. Uh, with a one-bid conference, you want to try to play your best at the end, um, but you know, for us, it's it's been about how do we get better and learn from the, either the wins or the losses that we've had so far this year.
2: Your team plays a ton of close games, um, <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, and which is probably not good for your health and mental well-being. But why do you think that is? And do you think something like that helps a team if you're in so many pressure-packed games?
0: Well, I I think it's something as a coach. Um, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. Hey, we played in a lot of close games the last few years. It's another thing when you go through the, that experience, especially with a group of guys that haven't done it, maybe at the college level, um, and then done it together because we, don't, we only had three returning players from last year. And so for us, I think it just gives us a great opportunity to learn, to teach, um, and each ending to the game uh, happens a little bit differently, whether you're tied, you're up, you're down, uh, do you foul, uh, do we need a three or a two? And so we've tried to use uh, not just our examples, but other examples throughout college basketball of, hey, here's how we want to handle this situation if this presents itself. And uh, a credit to our guys. They've really done a great job learning. And, uh, you know, as a result, put us in, put us in some good positions.
2: So as you look at your club at this point, for folks who are, Tune in to the game tonight on GR, going to the game, haven't seen Niagara play. What do you think your team does? I know they're they're a very good shooting team. What do you think your team does particularly well, this group?
0: Yeah, I, I think one thing that uh, you know, I, I really enjoy about this team is the way that we compete and play together. Um, you know, We're, we're um, a team that has had different guys step up at different moments. Uh, Noah Thomason has done an outstanding job. Um, you know with with scoring the basketball and creating for other people, but you know we want to be a team that that plays together that uh, you know really leaves it on the floor with the way we compete with our competitive spirit and then and then I think our our identity is also built in our defense of uh, you know just playing connected out there and really sharing the basketball
2: well uh Good luck tonight. I'm sure you've got a, a great speech planned for the Battle of the Bridges game this evening. I saw in the press notes you're 5-1 you're and one against Kenesha. So whatever you've been saying has been working.
0: Well, we, uh, we appreciate you giving us the chance to, to join you this morning. And uh, we appreciate all the support from the community and the Niagara community specifically. And uh, we're looking forward to not only seeing them but hearing them tonight. So thanks for having me on, Joe and Howard.
2: All right. Well, good luck tonight, Greg. And good luck down in the MAC tournament as well when you get into that.
0: Thank you. Take care.
2: That is tonight at eight o'clock at the Gallagher Center. Um, I'm gonna. Well, I shouldn't guess. I suppose it, it would be a packed house tonight. If you've never been to a game at the Gallagher Center, it, the game you should go to should be Canisius and Niagara, just to see what it's like to be in that atmosphere when they jam a couple thousand people in there. It gets nice and loud and intense. And uh, this is obviously a very it's, histor- it's a historical rivalry. It's been a lot of. Great Niagara Canisius games over the years. All right, let's uh, break, and we have Extendo Sports coming up. Joe, yes. We, what do you? I, oh, I, you know what? We never got to this. I wanted to. Well, let me see. Did you have anything you wanted to? Mention I got something for
4: this? to get off my chest. If I could rant a little about uh, the 49ers. but that will be quick. It's oh. not even a. It, it's a stat. A couple of NFL people have tweeted this out. It's a it's a maybe stat of the day worthy. Actually, I got a couple stats for you. Okay, if you want. Do you want but that
2: I'll, now? I'll tell you what. No, we'll get to the break. All right. We'll actually break on time. Let's try that. See how it works out. That's actually a very not really good idea. a fan of that, but whatever. Maybe it's habit forming. I've
4: got a saber stat of the day for you, and I've got a, a football stat of the day for you. And
2: I have a bone to pick with a story I saw. I believe it was the Colts coaching search. Doesn't really matter. It's just the, what how is going the story on was portrayed. It's a stupid bone to pick. I'm just telling you right now, don't think, oh, that's a great tease. Joe's tease is much better than mine. I just read it yesterday and I thought, that doesn't really make sense, but I could be completely wrong. How's that for a great tease? That's coming up too, and... Better yet, the Extra Point Show is coming up at the top of the hour with uh, Joe and Sal, so
1: stay tuned for that on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550, 2020 Sports.
0: Extendo Sports.
1: All right, my tease
2: is dumb, so let's do that first. Okay. Saw a story yesterday about Wink Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator, one of the front runners for the Colts' job. How can you have more than one front runner for the job? Is not the def- the definition of front runner is mm. a leading contestant in or as if in a rivalry or competition. So how could you have multiple guys leading? Someone, one person has to be a front runner for the job. Yeah, that doesn't it literally doesn't make any sense. If it was more than one, you would say Wink Martindale is in a group that is neck and neck for the Colts job. Like there, there's no front runner. There they have multiple guys that are you can't
4: have two front runners. Do you think the reason why it sounds that way? We just kind of talked about this in the break. Do different people in that building have a different front runner? Is Jim Irsay's
2: front runner Jeff Saturday? Is yeah. Chris Ballard's front runner? Maybe he's he's got Wink Martindale Wink on his Martindale? list, right? Could be because it sounds like the reports are suggesting the owner wants Jeff Saturday. How do you And end up, nobody else in the building wants that. How do you end up with Wink Martindale?
4: By the way, the Giants defense was not good last year. It was like the weakness, they, they were hmm, yeah. bad even.
2: They had good knees in Baltimore. I don't know, um, but I just thought that bugged me. So anyway, like I said, that was dumb, but go ahead, your, yours right. is better than mine.
4: Two stats of the day. I got a hockey one and a football one. How about we start with, oh, we'll do the hockey one. So yesterday, me and Jeremy were talking about like goats. Yep. Is Tom Brady on Wayne Gretzky's level as a goat. Hmm. Greatest of all time. Yeah. And I said no because... While I might not put Peyton Manning above him, I will listen to an argument that Peyton Manning was a greater quarterback than Tom Brady. Whereas Wayne mm. Gretzky, I don't even think I can listen to it for anybody else.
2: That's a good question. I, I so mm, I with, don't. Mm. Okay, with,
4: go ahead. Within that discussion, we're, you know, we're talking about like unbreakable records and whatnot because that's more the Gretzky mm. element. Yeah, I was trying to find what's the most unbreakable saber record of all time. It's nothing with Perot. Although Perot's records are going to be tough to beat by anybody, McGillney's goals. McGillney's goal record was on there. I got one that tops all of those by a thousand. The Sabers' all-time penalty minute record.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, right. Rob right. Ray
4: is at three thousand one hundred and eighty-nine. Right. No one can fight enough. Here's how far ahead Rob Ray is of of how unbreakable that record is. It's more unbreakable than Gretzky's records. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Rob Ray, three thousand one hundred eighty-nine. Wow. The Sabers' active career penalty minute leader is Rasmus Dahlin at 230 penalty minutes. Noted
2: thug Rasmus Dahlin. So,
4: if Dahlin, if Rasmus Dahlin got in a fight in every love, single
2: game for the next seven
4: years, yes, he would still be behind Rob Ray in all-time penalty minutes.
2: That's a stat of the year nominee. He, It's the most unbreakable
4: record in you know, sports. You have
2: to fight. The, there are no more fights. Right, exactly. You have to fight. That's five minutes. Right. And how many ten-minute Miscon I mean, Rob must have gotten some of those too. Oh, lots
4: of misconducts, I'm sure. You
2: you know how long are we Right, because you're getting two minute penalties all the time.
4: I'm giving most unbreakable saber record to, to wow. Rob Ray. That's funny. And then a football one. I, I'm gonna be I'm going to be beating a dead horse on this, I think, all offseason. I am so staunch in my defendant of, of defense of Trey Lance. And
2: yeah, I saw your numbers about curve. this yesterday. Yeah. So
4: Dan Orlovsky from ESPN tweeted this out, that Trey Lance has thrown 420 passes in a live game setting since 2016. That goes back to him being a sophomore in high school. So wow. since being a sophomore in high school six years ago,
2: Trey Lance has thrown 420 passes. Yeah, he didn't have a large body of work in college. Was he a one-season starter?
4: One-season starter, and then well part of that reason is... He lost a year due to COVID. So he played in the FCS. The FCS didn't play in 2020. He played one game as like a showcase game. North Dakota,
2: North Dakota State, one of the... Yeah, North Dakota
4: State. Thank you. So the big time schools played. Yeah. But they could because they had the financial backing to do it. Right. Lance didn't because he went to North Dakota State. So he lost a full season for that. He didn't play his freshman year. He, I mean, maybe part of it is a criticism of him that he even came out at all. But he probably got told, hey, you'll go top five. And he did. Yeah. And then the Niners decided we're not going to play him. And then, by the way, they might have been able to, ready to bench him anyway for Garoppolo. Anyways, not the stat. 420 passes for Trey Lance since 2016. Uh-huh. You want to know who's thrown more passes than Trey Lance since 2016 in a live game setting? Carson Palmer. Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. Josh Rosen. Yee. Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, These are people up. that have been out of the league for... When is the last time years, Carson yeah. Palmer played? I mean, that might have been his last year, actually. 2016? Yeah, I think he played one more year after 16. I could be wrong, but I... I yeah. So, la- the though? No, po- you might be right. 2016 might be his last season because 15 was that great year with the Cardinals. The point here for me is... Nobody in the world should act like they know what Trey Lance is.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: He's certainly an unknown commodity, and that could be an argument against why you ever play him. No one in the world should act like they know what this quarterback
2: is. He started 31 seen games right. in six years. Right. You haven't seen enough of them. And by the way, if you were even skeptical, wouldn't you look at it and go, well, look what they did with Brock Purdy? Couldn't they make it work with Trey Lance?
4: That's always my argument Is if you're. How. How afraid... What's the downside of putting Trey Lance in? How afraid can you be? Because if the theory is Kyle Shanahan... He's a quarterback genius, right? ...will make any quarterback play well. So Nick play Mullins Lance. played well. CJ yep. Beathard played well. Brock Purdy played well. If the theory is Shanahan will make any quarterback play well, what's the Why risk? Not
2: play Lance, right?
4: Is Lance not just going to be as, at least as good as all of those guys? Yeah. And your upside is... Oh, he runs like Lamar Jackson. He's as tall as Josh Allen and he throws the ball as far as Mahomes.
2: And they valued him enough to make a move to move up. Right. Right? Didn't they have to move up a what
4: was it? They moved spot? up. They traded three first round picks to get him. Yeah.
2: Just it's All just right. it's just weird. Hey, don't go anywhere. In fact, stick around and do a show with Sal. What do you say? I'll I'll uh I'll take, take, yeah, under advisement. I'll take, up. I'll take that up All with right. advisement. Everybody have a great weekend. The extra point show is next with Joe and Sal. On WGR.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.